Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Erlinson. From lightninginsider.com. Thanks always for listening. Check us out. Um, don't forget, I also have the other podcast. It's called Lightning Game Day Now. You can find it obviously anywhere you do listen to your podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that one as well. That is through Bally Sports Sun and a lot of the game day information on there, including daily updates on injuries and lineup news. Uh, on game days and after games as well. So check that out. Don't forget to check out the site. Lightninginsider.com is where you can find the written work that I do. And my major apologies for the amount of time since my last podcast. It's obviously been a little busy with a very condensed schedule. The Lightning just finished off a stretch of nine games in 16 days. It does uh, offer challenges when it comes to trying to produce one of these podcasts with so many games in such a short period of time. But uh, here I am. So again, I apologize for the length of time that it's been since we last got together here on this podcast. And a few things I do want to touch on, uh, as well as getting to your questions uh, here towards the end. Uh, we'll talk about the road trip and where the Lightning are at at this point of the season. I'm going to touch on the career of Ben Bishop a little bit. The news coming out on Ben that his recovery from knee surgery that he underwent in September of 2020 uh, did not allow him to get back on the ice. Uh, So he is unfortunately going to have to call it a career, but what a career it was. So we'll touch on that a little bit. And then the specter of the Olympics. And what it might mean going forward here. Uh, still have just under a month before there's a deadline to commit to go to the Olympics in Beijing in February. So we'll touch on that news as well. Uh, so where the team is at right now and what 27 games into the season here coming off the 4-1 road trip which ended on Saturday in Ottawa. You know, the team, if you would have said at the beginning of the year that before Christmas, the team would be missing Nikita Kucherov for all but three games. You'd be without Braden Point for what's uh, closing in on a month now. If you were going to see lengthy absences from Eric Chernak, now Anthony Sorelli, and if you just sat here and said, hey, through 27 games, 
the Lightning are going to have a 17-6-4 record, you'd have run to the hills. You'd have called it a success, a major success. And honestly, I don't know any other way to categorize or define, describe how this team has been able to do it. There's been many nights, especially here in the last month, where they've dressed up to five rookies, uh, forwards, uh, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish. Ross Colton's not classified as a rookie because he just passed the threshold a number of games played last year, but he's a rookie. You've had Gabriel Fortier and Alex Barry-Boulay. Uh, any of those five rookies have seen extended time here, especially Kachuk and Radish. Uh, but with the injuries, you know, the other guys have seen more time as well. I'm mean, Colton, obviously. But yet, they still find a way to put together a 17-6-4 record. And their goal differential is a plus 15, 27 games into the year. And you, you, you can't sit here and say the team has had many poor games. And you're going to have them. They happen. 82-game season, you're going to have games where you don't perform well, and we've seen a few of them. And specifically on this recently completed road trip, you know, 4-1 record, if you, again, go into the game and say they're going to come out of it with 8 out of 9, 8 out of 10 points, again, you'd have run to the hills with it. They win the first four, lose the last one in Ottawa, and... <laughs> Certainly saw many people say, how can you lose to an Ottawa team? How's that possible? Ottawa did go into the game tied for the second fewest points in the league. They're right there with Montreal and the Arizona Coyotes. And so you look at that and say, there's no way a Lightning team should lose that game. But if you've ever listened to me, if you've ever read anything that I've written, you understand that games like this do occur. And and here's the thing. Many people were in my mentions on Twitter, where you can find me at Eric underscore Erlinson, telling me how that was a terrible game, that was a clunker of a game. Wasn't even close to their worst game on the road trip. Their worst game of the road trip occurred the week before in Boston. Think back to that, that game in Boston to start the road trip. They were not very good turnovers all over the ice, feeding the Bruins. How many odd man rushes did the Bruins have in that game on Saturday? But Andre Vasilevsky held a minute, and they find a way to score a couple of goals, get it to overtime where Steven Stamkos wins it. So if if the road trip had gone 4-1, but they'd lost that game in Boston and beat Ottawa, would you feel differently about it? Maybe. Maybe because it's recency bias. You always think about the last game that's played. But as a whole, they played very well in Philadelphia. Got some fortunate breaks, you know, beating the Flyers 7-1, to which <laughs> led to Elaine Vigneault's firing the following day. Played, shall we say, okay in Montreal. A couple of late goals rescued that game for them. We end up winning that one 3-2. to two. 
And then in Toronto, I thought they played pretty well in Toronto. And again, you went into Toronto with no Anthony Sorelli. Sorelli was a late scratch. Not a late scratch, but, um, you know, he didn't play that game. So you, you played that game against the Leafs, who were playing very well, with no Chernak, no Sorelli, no Point, no Kucherov, and you go in there and you, you beat the Leafs 5-3. Impressive win. So as a whole, 4-1 on the road trip is very good. And I don't think Saturday's game in Ottawa was a clunker, unless you count special teams. They were terrible on special teams. Ottawa's penalty kill was just zipping the puck around, especially in the second period. And uh, outclassed Tampa Bay's penalty kill. And the Tampa Bay's power play it was, was awful. It's the worst I've seen this year. They go 0 for 5. And, you know, over the final two periods, they generate one shot attempt. Sorry, two shot attempts. Two shot attempts in all that power play time they had in the second and third period. Lose a faceoff, clear the zone, can't get back in. Their zone entries were terrible. It's a big area where they miss Braden Point. You know, he's the guy that brings the puck up the ice, is able to kind of back off the defense a little bit with his speed on that drop pass play, and he's able to gain the zone. They just don't have anybody else like that that can do that on a consistent basis on this team. And certainly we saw that highlighted on Saturday's game. But as a whole, as we sit here at 17-6-4, they got 38 points. The Panthers are sitting at 40 through 26 games. The Leafs are at 40 through 29 games. So as uh, I sit here and talk, the Lightning have two games in hand on the Leafs. And they, they, again, I just mentioned nine games in 16 days in eight different cities. It's, I, in a sense, Saturday's game was a scheduled loss. Only in the sense that, again, the final game of that nine-game stretch in 16 days. But add in that Ottawa had been sitting there since Tuesday, which was their last game. And then it's an afternoon game. So it, it throws a little bit of the schedule out of kilter. Not terrible. Not the first afternoon game Tampa Bay's played. In fact, the last time they were in Ottawa in November was a 2 o'clock start. But it does allow the Senators to practice and prepare for at least two good days of practice. I don't know precisely what their schedule was, but they would have practiced at least two days going into that game. So you have time to sit there and prepare Meanwhile, the Lightning, which normally would have taken a day off after the game in Toronto, they do hold a practice because it's an afternoon game and there won't be a morning skate. So you're not going to see too many teams not skate the day prior to an afternoon game because there's no morning skate to prepare. And I think that's kind of what it came down to. Ottawa was, you know, Again, been playing pretty well lately. They get a couple of quality wins, including one of the few teams who have beaten Colorado here in the last little while. And they wanted to show, as a lot of teams are going to do this year, that they can hang with the Stanley Cup champions. And let's face it, (laughs) team on the ice in Ottawa wasn't exactly the Stanley Cup champions. Brian Elliott got the start. 
not he has he had nothing to do with that loss. So I thought Elliott was fine. But your number one goaltender is on the bench. No Sorelli, no Point, no Kucherov, no Chernak, and then right before game time, Zach Bogosian out of the lineup with a lower body injury. So they played that game without five regulars. And Bogosian is day-to-day. Sorelli's day-to-day. The other three that we mentioned you're not going to see until after Christmas. You know, John Cooper had said previously on Chernak's situation that he was more day-to-day than week-to-week. Uh, I'm guessing in Montreal that something changed. Uh, maybe they got a look at uh, whatever injury he had. He took a puck off his boot on Saturday in Boston. So... I, I guess we have to assume that uh, um, an MRI or, or something else showed some sort of a, a hairline fracture or something along those lines because, you know, I spotted Chernak in the background of an interview on Bally Sports after the game with Chernak on crutches, which doesn't always mean something has gone worse. I mean, crutches are just make sure that, you know, they, they're weight-bearing, right? They, they, they take that situation out of it so you're not putting any weight on the foot or the leg depending on what the injury is uh, but obviously something changed because John Cooper said on Friday that uh, Eric Chernak was more week to week than day to day and that we won't see him till after Christmas and there are five more games on the schedule before we get to Christmas they host the Kings they host the Senators and then they're on the road at Colorado at Vegas and at Arizona before we hit the Christmas break. So there'll be five more games before Christmas. Uh, So all in all, I I don't think some people will. I don't think you complain too much about where the Lightning are sitting in the standings here, you know, past the quarter mark of the season, heading into Christmas break. They're They're in a good spot in the division for sure. Obviously lumped right in there with the Panthers and the Maple Leafs. And meanwhile, Boston is the next closest team. They have an eight-point gap on the Bruins. Bruins do have three games in hand because, for whatever reason, they had a light schedule in October and early November. But overall, in a very good, sitting in a very good spot, and you have to be overly impressed, because I am, with how the team has been able to find ways to win games despite the injuries. You can withstand an injury to Nikita Kucherov. We saw it last year. They had the depth. The depth obviously took a hit this year, but they were able to withstand that, certainly. But then you start adding in, missing a Braden point, and we know the importance that he has. And then you start to add in your top right-handed shot defenseman, and the minutes that he plays and the role that he plays. Now we're talking about Sorelli having missed the past two games. Those are pretty important players that they're missing, and yet they find ways to win games. I mean, that's that's why I was so impressed with the game in Toronto. You know, you have you reshuffle the lines because Sorelli's out, and Sorelli had been playing 20, 22, upwards to 25 minutes a night. It's a big void to take out of the lineup. He's been playing well well on both ends of the ice. His play at the end of the game in Montreal to set up Andre Palat's winning goal, it's just classic Anthony Sorelli. 
right? He, he pinches off the wall, closes off David Savard, separates Savard from the puck, turns around, chips it up to Alex Kalorn, and creates basically a two-on-one that Andre Pilat finishes off. So you see the importance and the role that Anthony Sorelli plays. So to be missing all these players and to sit here and say that they've got 38 points through 27 games, again, if he'd have said on October the 11th, the night before the season opener, that they would be missing all these players, you know, it's not necessarily the, the man, man games lost, which is a factor for some teams, but it's the quality of the players that they're missing here and uh, still going to be missing at, you know, a, a good chunk of them for at least two weeks. You know, Nikita Kucherov, John Cooper said, even though he's skated with the team a little bit here, that it won't be till after, he said, the calendar year. So after, you know, sometime in January is sort of a target date for Nikita Kucherov. I know this is one of the questions, but I'm going to address this now. Braden Point, John Cooper has said he might be back a little bit before Kucherov. So maybe the week after Christmas potentially, you know, they return from the Christmas break on the 28th against Montreal. Again, we haven't seen Braden Point skating yet. That's always what you're going to have to look for. Where's he at? That's the first sign that things are getting somewhat close. We haven't seen that yet. So, again, 27 games in, get a chance to kind of catch their breath here a little bit and get ready for the final five games before the Christmas break. So, like where they're sitting, where they're at, despite the loss of the Auto Senators. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, Ben Bishop. Uh, Bishop was hurt in the bubble playoffs uh, on Dallas's run to the Stanley Cup Final. And hasn't played since. He, he did play one game after he was injured in the bubble. Did not go well for him or the Dallas Stars in the conference final game there against Colorado. Um, and had been trying to work his way back, work his way back. He had a rehab assignment game for the Texas Stars the other night. He got pulled. It was a... Seven goal game. I don't know if he gave up all seven or if he gave up six, but it did not go well. Um, was recalled and basically said his career was over. And Ben Bishop meant so much this organization from the time he got here until the time he left, and his legacy will remain with the team. And when he was acquired from Ottawa, He was he was still kind of on that cusp. He, you know, there was plenty who thought he could play, uh, could be a number one guy, uh, but the you know the book was was still out on him. But from his first game, and I'll, I'll remember his first game in Carolina when I was still working for the Trib, where he shut out the Hurricanes in his debut. And you could just see, even for a guy of his size, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, he was so calm in his net. There was no wasted movement in his net. He wasn't swimming. He wasn't flailing, looking for the puck. He was very technically sound. 
for a goalie of his size who already takes up a bunch of the net. But he stabilized the goaltending position for Tampa Bay at a time where they needed it. Andre Vasilevsky had already been drafted. He was drafted in 2012. But they just they didn't have anybody to solidify the goaltending position. So they give up a couple of second-round draft picks to acquire Bish and immediately help turn them into a contender. He was acquired towards the uh, trade deadline in, in 2013, just after John Cooper took over. They make the playoffs in 14. During the Stanley Cup final in 15, he leads them back to the conference final in 16, and then injuries kind of derailed them. And by that time, Andre Vasilevsky was ready, so he ended up being moved out uh, prior to the trade deadline in 2017 to L.A., latched on with Dallas. Um, but he meant so much to helping this team and this franchise grow into what they are now. One of the best guys I've ever had the chance to cover. Always willing to share a thought. Even just to say hello. Wasn't one of those goalies who wouldn't talk on game days. He would talk. He would share information and and everything else with you. So from a media perspective, I thought he was great. Uh, He was great off the ice. I know he was great with the fans. And uh, again... With the way that he played in net, just helped a lot of the young players on this team, the Tyler Johnsons, the Andre Palats, you know, uh, growing leadership in Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman, you know, grow, grow into a championship caliber team because you need a goalie who can give you confidence, and it's it's pretty similar in a lot of ways to Nikolai Habibulin. You know, the Lightning at that time, when they acquired Habibulin, were not a prominent team. They had Vinny LeCavier, and Marty St. Louis was starting to, to be the player that he was, and Brad Richards, and Dan Boyle, Freddie Modine. You know, they had a, a, a growing nucleus, if you will. But Nikolai Habibulin's presence just gave the team confidence, allowed them to be a team that could make mistakes and he could cover them up. And then you start to learn how to win games and you become better as a team. That's what Ben Bishop did. You know, he's a Vezina finalist for a couple of years here, deservedly so. The only issue anybody could ever have with Ben Bishop was he just seemed to break down physically at times when he was counted on, and it was always later in the year. 2014, he hurt his elbow late in the year, jumping up for a puck that was in the air and then landed on his elbow awkwardly. Uh, if, if the Lightning had found a way to get past Montreal in that opening round, he might have been able to come back, but they end up getting swept by the Canadians. And then in 2015, <laughs> gets hurt in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. 
continue to play, but he wasn't at 100%. Andre Vasilevsky actually ended up starting game four of that series in Chicago. And then in 2016, again, got hurt game one of the conference final. And, and I, to this day, if Ben Bishop is healthy, they probably win the Stanley Cup that year. And that's not a knock on Andre Vasilevsky. That is not to say that it was Andre Vasilevsky's fault that Pittsburgh was able to win that series in seven games. But Ben Bishop's ability to play the puck changed the way Pittsburgh forechecked. Once his presence was no longer back there, it, they became much more aggressive on the forecheck, and I think that changed the tone of the game. Because right, Vasilevsky played fine. You know, he jumps in in, in game one and ends up you know, playing the playing out the rest of that series. But I think if Ben Bishop is, is in that series, they beat Pittsburgh, and they probably go on to beat San Jose in the final. And, of course, in 2017, he was traded. Uh, but his biggest legacy is going to be his mentorship of Andre Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky has talked many times about what he's learned from Ben Bishop. And how he helped him learn to be a number one goaltender and learn to be a pro in the league. So Ben Bishop's legacy is going to be here and is going to be a big part of this franchise for a long time. I saw somebody suggest, you know, should Ben Bishop's number be retired? I don't know. I don't know if I would go that far. He meant a lot to them, no doubt. He... Again, stabilized the franchise. But he was only here three and a half years. I don't know that that's long enough to discuss putting a player's number in the rafters. I don't know. My instinct says no. That, that That's not going to change what he meant to this franchise. So uh, good luck to Ben Bishop and whatever he does. I wish him health. Wish him good fortune going down the line, but unfortunately, his career is over. All right, the Olympics. This is um, this is going to be a topic here for the next month, big time. Because if you saw the reports that came out over the weekend, that for any athlete who goes to China to compete in the Olympics... If they test positive for COVID-19, and certainly we've seen the number of COVID cases start to rise again, you're starting to see more and more professional teams be affected by it. So it has to be a growing concern. But if any player in China during the Olympics tests positive for COVID-19, and then they don't have, you know, it could be a false positive, we certainly know all that by now if they get two negative tests within 24 hours uh, of each other you know it changes things otherwise it's a three to five week quarantine in china under china law three to five week quarantine so let's say a team is in the semi-final round and then 
the morning of the semifinal, a player tests positive. So this is towards the end of the Olympic tournament. If they test positive, you're talking they might not be available to return to the United States, to North America, until the middle of March. Maybe not even the end of March. And I think that that has to offer a huge sense of pause if you're the players. I am a big Olympic proponent. I think it's great that the league goes there. I think it's great that they offer the opportunity to have these players go and represent their country in the Olympic setting because there's nothing like it. Biggest stage in the world for sports. Two-week event, you kind of take in some of that atmosphere. I don't know what it, it's obviously going to be different. It was in Tokyo when they held the Summer Olympics this past summer. So I don't know if, if it's the full Olympic experience for sure. There's no Olympic Village or anything like that. But if I'm a player, I have to take think about that long and hard. And Robin Leonard has already opted out. He's already said that he won't go. He will not represent Sweden. We know he's had some... Uh, mental health issues in the past and you know he announced that him and his doctor talked about it and it would not be good for his mental health for him to go under the stress of playing in the olympics for your country and high pressure games plus the stress of potential covid situations that's a lot to deal with throw in the factor that the nhl all-star game is right before the the league would, would shut down and head to, to China. So you're, you would have all these players together in Vegas ahead of the All-Star um, All Star weekend before they go to the Olympics. If I'm a player, I have to think long and hard about this. Yes, it's a great thing to represent your country. A gold medal. I mean, I'll never forget what it meant for Freddie Modine when he helped Sweden win a gold medal in 2006. Beaming with pride. Freddie Modine was. So I know what it means to some of these athletes to be able to do that. But if I'm staring at the possibility, because they'll be tested a lot while they're in, in, in Beijing, the possibility of getting a positive test result leads to me having to stay in China for up to a month or more. And not only do you have to quarantine, you're not getting in workouts. You're definitely not skating. You're stuck in a hotel room or whatever it is they're going to be at for more than a month. I don't know. I've been very positive in thinking that the league was, there was no way the league wasn't going to go. This is something to monitor. And even if they do go, I wonder how many players will decide not to go especially for teams that are in a playoff race or tight in the playoff race, anything like that. If, you know, the last thing in the world you want to do is hurt your team for the stretch because you come back from the Olympics. And, and think about this, too. If you're Nashville or if you're Tampa Bay, you get the stadium series game right after you come back. So now you're weighing the Olympics versus this outdoor game experience. And I know it means a lot to some of those players to play in an outdoor game. Just a lot of things to think about, a lot of things to factor in. I know there'll be a lot of discussion 
Uh, I believe the deadline date is January 10th for the players, and Gary Bettman at the Board of Governors meeting mentioned that it's completely on the players at this point. The league is uh, going to honor their commitment to go, and the players at this point have to decide if that's what they want to do as a players' association. So there'll be a lot of discussion on that over the coming weeks before that January 10th deadline. So just keep an eye on it. Uh, I'm less optimistic today than I was a week ago, thinking about whether the, the players would go. And again, I'm very, very pro Olympics for the players. I think it's a great experience, and I think it's a great tournament, and I really do enjoy watching it. I hope it happens. I am My optimism has waned big time when it comes from this. I got some questions I want to get to before we wrap up this episode uh, from Nancy. It's a great question from Nancy. I saw that one of Tampa Bay's prospects, Jack Finley, was traded within the WHL. He went from um, Spokane to Winnipeg in the WHL. Do the Lightning still own his rights? And the second question, if we do, does Tampa Bay get consulted before or have to approve the trade? Thank you. Uh, Great question, Nancy. Uh, It has nothing to do. There's no effect whatsoever on the rights that Tampa Bay has for him. It doesn't change anything. He is still Tampa Bay property no matter where he goes in the WHL. As far as the second part, uh, no. The teams, NHL teams do not get consulted on this. This is business between you know, two WHL teams in terms of making trades. Um, they might give a heads up or maybe ask an opinion on it, but it's not a consulting situation. Very rarely... Do teams even ask the NHL club, hey, we're thinking about trading this player because they have their team to run and he plays for Spokane. So Spokane is making a decision based on their team. So again, great question. Uh, Does not affect any way, shape, or form the rights that Tampa Bay has to the player and not very often, if at all, do teams even get consulted on it. Uh, from Joyce, is there a way to learn how to do a face-off? Do the linesmen drop the puck the same way? Uh, it's like anything else. You have to practice on it. But I guess the best way to answer that is uh, some players, quote-unquote, cheat more than others. Uh, and some players are just good at anticipating. It, all you can do is practice it. Uh, we've seen Steven Stamkos get better at it in his career. He was probably a 42 43, 44% guy for the first number of years of his career. Now he's up to, you know, 50, 52, 55% on a consistent basis. So you can get better at it. They do have Jeff Halpern, who was really good at faceoffs during his career to help them. And you've seen games where Ross Colton will have a good game, but then he'll be down. Braden Point will have a good game, and then he'll be down. So you do need to see more consistency. And obviously this comes, this question comes specifically after the game. In Toronto, where Tampa Bay was just absolutely owned in the face-off circle. They won 33% of their face-offs in the game. Uh, you know, and, and look, the game in Boston was the same way, but most of that came against Patrice Bergeron, who I think went 18 for 20 in that game. The line actually fared pretty well against um, the other centers when they were out there. It's just Bergeron takes so many of them because he's just so good at them. Uh, so, yeah, you can practice it. You can learn it. Uh, it is a craft. Uh, the linesmen pretty much do drop the puck the same way. Um, some are more picky than others. It's a question of what you can get away with. That's why you see players kicked out of the circle so often because they're <clears throat> cheating 
maybe a little bit too early. Uh, good question here from Kenny. Uh, for one-off trips like Stancos going to see uh, to be there for the birth of his child or Riley Nash joining the team after waivers from Winnipeg, do they fly commercial or private this year? I know protocol was private everything last year. Is it the same this year? It's not necessarily the same. In fact, because um, with Stamco's situation, the team obviously was in St. Louis and his wife started to go into labor. Uh, not really time to get a private jet. Uh, unless he hired it himself, uh, I'm not aware of that. Uh, it's certainly possible. Might have found a, a charter company in St. Louis. Uh, but those protocols are not uh, 100%, right? Because you've got players coming from Syracuse who fly commercially, right? Uh, you know, we heard this, the story of Gabriel Fortier who missed his connecting flight from Syracuse to Charlotte and then missed the flight from Charlotte to St. Louis because he was late getting out of Syracuse. So we know those players are flying commercial. So it's not... Like, those protocols aren't there. If you fly commercial, you're still going to get tested the same way you would uh, no matter what this year, which is different from last year for sure uh, in terms of the quarantine situation. So, um, and, and in terms, it was the same thing with Riley Nash. He would have just gotten on a, fl- a plane and flew domestically uh, from Winnipeg to join the team in Toronto, right? So, uh, not required, not required to have to fly uh, private, but uh, certainly... They can if they will. Um, from Meg, any word on Braden Point's progress? Uh, I did touch on that, Meg. Again, uh, Kucherov in January. Point potentially before that. Uh, we're coming up on the four-week mark, so sometime after Christmas is when we can start you know, potentially looking for um, a Braden Point return. Uh, from Megan, uh, what happens to the hats that people throw on the ice after hat tricks? Do they get them back? Uh, each each um, arena is a little different with what they do. They um, Some will put them on display. I think is it Minnesota? might be Minnesota. I forget which one, but, but they would put them on display um, in the arena. Uh, I think patrons do have the option to get it back if they want. Um, you know, so each, each one is different in terms of how they do it, um, and not everyone is the same. Um, from uh, QFERN24, who do you expect to be out of the lineup when Kucherov and Point come back? Uh, well, Gabriel Fortier will go back, right? Um, so that's one. Um, the question is going to be, what do you do with Radish and Kachuk? Right, because they've played well this year. Uh, Kucherov and Point come back. You have Riley Nash now. What does Riley Nash fit in the equation? Um, you know, but it'll be it'll be rookies, right? It'll be rookies that end up seeing their time cut down a little bit, uh, especially as you get deeper into the season. Uh, assuming, assuming uh, that everybody stays healthy, but uh, <laughs> as you know from the season, that's that's not always a case. Uh, Robbie asked about Ben Bishop, uh, certainly touched on that. Uh, Kyle is asking about um, Bally Sports. Um, in my Is my household the only one in Bally Sports broadcasting the lightning that breaks into commercials during live action? We've missed three of the last five opponents' goals. Uh, I, can't, I can't speak for the games at our home because obviously I'm at the arena, so I'm not watching the game. Uh, I do watch the, the road games from home. I can't say that I've noticed that too much. 
Um, I would assume if you're watching them on Bally, that means you probably have Spectrum, which means you're watching it the same way I am. Uh, I have not seen any situation with that. Um, so uh, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, Kyle, uh, but I don't. Uh, and, and Andrew's here asking about Dave Randorf um, and the way he calls a game. Uh, says he seems to get equally excited when the opposing team scores as to when the Lightning do. Two things on that. First of all, it doesn't bother me one way, shape, or form. Uh, I listen to Dave. I enjoy listening to Dave call the game. Uh, I am, I don't have any problem. I don't really notice that kind of stuff. And, and maybe that's just the reporter in me through the years with that thing. It doesn't bother me. The other thing you have to remember about Dave, he's coming from a situation where for 30 years he called national broadcasts. So he didn't have, you know, he wasn't employed by a team. He was employed by a network. So he called those games for 30 years where you do have to be more down the middle as opposed to showing leniency towards one team or the other. So 30 years of doing one thing, it's a different situation for Dave. I can't remember or recall the last time he actually even um, you know, called for a, or worked for a team. If he ever did, I don't think he ever did. Um, so that's that's my my comment on on Dave Randorf. Um, let's see, go through a couple of others here. I know there was one. Somebody was asking me about uh, one of my favorite Ben Bishop stories, and I apologize, I can't find it here in my mentions to to figure out exactly who who asked it. But uh, to, to kind of give you some of the personality of, of Bish, if you go back to the 2015 series against the Canadians, um, you know, the Lightning won the first three games of that series. Tyler Johnson's buzzer beater in game three gave them a 3-0 series lead. Uh, with game four the next night, it was one of those rare situations where it was back-to-back. Um, uh, P.K. Subban had a comment or quote after the game, you know, trying to get under the skin. You know, PK's good at that. Uh, basically, he said that, well, Ben Bishop's been sitting on a horseshoe, implying that he's been lucky, that he's been lucky in, in that series against the Canadians for Tampa Bay to be up three games. Um, so he, he made the comment on... Bishop wearing a horseshoe. So, after game six, because Montreal won game four, and game five, uh, brought it back to uh, Amelie Arena for game six. After the game, Ben Bishop, uh, after he was done at his locker stall, shared with a few of us, wasn't the entire media contingent, but he shared with a few of us what he was sitting on, and he had a photocopy of a horseshoe. So, he was literally sitting on a horseshoe. Um, that was uh, that was my one story I had about um, Ben Bishop. So, all right, that is going to wrap up this edition. Again, I apologize for the uh, longevity, the long gap since my last podcast. Um, schedule lightens up here for a little bit. Maybe we'll be able to sit down and, and do another one uh, in a timely manner. This time around, um, have a few changes on the horizon as well that I'll share with everybody 
when it's time uh, here in the near future, but uh, working on some details behind the scenes for some changes that need to be made. Um, so I'll keep everybody abreast on that. Again, don't forget about the other podcast. It's called Lightning Game Day Now. Uh, they're three, four, five-minute podcasts kind of recapping you know, games. So check that out. Subscribe to that. Um, wherever you get your podcast, the website, of course, lightninginsider.com. There's yearly subscription options and there are uh, monthly subscription options uh, as well. So uh, again, I appreciate all the continued support. Don't forget about my Wednesday uh, setups or my Wednesday um, hits with Ian Beckles and Jay Retcher on 95.3620 AM. Uh, talking about the lighting, we play some name that tune as well. Take callers. So if you ever want to call in and ask me a question, I'm there Wednesdays, usually for an hour between 4 and 5. Uh, that will continue. I know Ian and Jay are going to be on break starting Tuesday, but I will be in this coming Wednesday with Aaron Jacobson. Uh, so I'll be in studio with Aaron. Uh, so feel free to call in during that. Uh, so that's that will continue throughout the regular season and hopefully into the playoffs as well. Uh, so those are the other areas that you can find me. Always available via email, eric at lightninginsider.com or on Twitter uh, at eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. And, of course, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash lightninginsider. And, of course, the website, lightninginsider.com. All right. Again, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, have a happy holiday season. Um, I'm hoping I'll do one before Christmas, but if I don't, Please be safe. Please take care of each other. Look out for one another. uh, And I'll talk to you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.